Uh, I want to say thank you to those who are at the morning prayer uh, meeting that happens before worship every Sunday. It's, um, I, I, I kind of even, one of the earliest memories I have uh, is in middle school. That's not the earliest memory I have, but of this. Uh, <laughs> it's all blocked out. Um, no, uh, in, in middle school, um, we would spend a lot of time. I, I, joined, I joined the music ministry in my, in my youth group, and I was uh, immediately arrested by actually for that ministry. We spent so much time praying for the gathering, and that really, really had a huge impact, and I could actually kind of see the drop-off in the health of our group spiritually with like how the, the, the prayer for our ministry and, our, and, and our, our youth group kind of dwindled. And so uh, for those of you that like are so faithful to, to come on Sundays early and pray for this gathering specifically, uh, thank you for doing that. And um, I, I want to start by opening with uh, kind of a, a little story about what happened when um, I first came to college here in Boston over 20 years ago. And... Uh, I grew up in Miami, Florida, if you didn't know that. And so the one big difference is that it's very, very humid in Miami, Florida. Um, and so there was one thing my family, you know, as you're getting ready to leave for college, if you're going to go far away, what your, what your family does is they're just trying to think, oh, what are all the things that you need to, to be ready for going up there and living by yourself? So there's all kinds of concerns. And what happens usually as you're, uh, you know, getting on the plane or getting ready to leave is that they start just giving you the last bits of advice, just whatever summations of whatever they've been trying to put in your brain for your whole life. You know, they're just, just shoving it at you. Just don't forget this. Don't, don't, don't forget this. Please remember to do this. And for my family, the one thing my family wanted me to remember was to use lotion. <laughs> um, and the reason for this was is because if you're in Miami, it's very humid. So you get out of the shower, towel off. Everything's great. Skin feels good. Just roll out and do your day, right? So that was my whole life. And then my brother was like, well, my brother went to college in Maine. So he went from Florida to Maine and he told me this story. He said, well, when I went up there and, and then I, you know, I just noticed I'm very itchy. And he's like, man. And then I thought, maybe it's because I'm dirty. So I'll take another shower and make my skin even drier. And then he was just doing, and then it took him a while to figure out and make this mistake and say, well, I figured out that my skin was dry and so I needed to apply lotion. So he's like, don't forget. My mom said, when your dad was your age, when he was young, he would never put on lotion in the winter and his face would get dry and cracked. And that's why he looks so old. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, and literally for like the whole first semester, every time my mom called my dorm phone, because that's what you did back in the day, uh, it's, did you put on lotion? This was literally the, the question that would come. And so uh, this was the thing that, you know, kind of as a last thing, it was just, I just remember, this is probably the only advice I remember from my family. It's like, don't forget the lotion. Um, so we've been going through the book of James for five chapters now, and we're at the, these are the last verses of the book of James. So this is almost like he's like, don't, don't forget don't forget, these are the final things I want you to remember before I end this letter. I'm ending the time that I'm speaking to you. These letters are usually read aloud in a church. And so he's like, I don't want you to forget certain things. And so G James, if you haven't been with us until now, he's, he's the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come to believe that his brother growing up was the creator of the universe, uh, which, is, which is crazy. Uh, but what you notice and what we've pointed out is that the way that he's written this letter, it kind of reminds you of the voice of Jesus in the Gospels. There's simple commands, there's analogies, illustrations, things that make it kind of feel that way. And all of those commands and analogies and illustrations are around how we ought to live our lives 
before God in relationship to him and with each other. And so we're rounding the bend to the final eight verses here, right? And much like my family telling me about lotion, he's like giving them this final encouragement, right? So verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And he's already talked about this a lot. So he ends with these words. And he's already talked about it. And God, he's saying God is with you in your suffering, which he's been talking about the entire book. He's with you in the afflictions of the moment and the day. He is, uh, if you broaden this out to scripture, you see throughout the testimony of scripture that he's with the barren woman and the family that cannot conceive, those who are being uh, torn in two or being destroyed by lions, those who are sick and who need help, those who need uh, forgiveness. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So he's summing that up. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Has God been good to you lately? He's saying, well, what you ought to do is sing praise to him. Be thankful. When, uh, uh, whenever it's my time to put the kids to bed, we um, pray with them. And one of the things that I, I try to do, and it really helps me too, is I say, let's just take a moment and think of something that we can be thankful to God for, and let's thank him for it. And so we'll take turns. Uh, and sometimes I have to suggest things that they can be thankful for because they don't always uh, have that in their minds. But uh, this helps me when it reminds me to do it. And so is anyone cheerful? Let them sing, sing praise to God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. So, so what is he doing here? He's kind of doing, it, these aren't even polar opposites, uh, uh, suffering and, and praise, these things. So these aren't opposites. So he's kind of doing, if there's A, then you should do B, right? If there's A, then you should do B. If, if you're suffering, then pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. So what's the next A, B then? What's, what's the next thing he's going to do? He says, is any among you sick? Now, sick here, there's been some debate scholarly. People try to uh, uh, say, what, ex- what is exactly does he mean by sick? And so some people have tried to say, oh, he means spiritual sickness. He just means if, you're, if you've got something going on in, in, the, in, in your spiritual life. And then others have said, no, 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 this is purely physical sickness. This is if your body is ailing. And what we will see here is that what we try to do, we overanalyze. And we're participating in kind of reading our own culture into the words of Scripture. You see, seeing a hard line between the physical and the spiritual That's not really part of the Judeo-Christian worldview. If you read Genesis, he doesn't say, God doesn't say, I'm going to create spirits and they'll float around. Oh, and I'll attach these bodies that are kind of unrelated. There's not this grand split between the two. It's part of the new, the the New Testament does have some language like that, but that's because this is kind of when uh, philosophical dialogue and kind of modern thoughts, all all of what leads to the scientific method emerges. And so he uses those categories like Paul does But when you go back to Genesis, God makes the entire world and all that's within it, physical, spiritual. It's just, it's it's a unity. It's not meant to be thought about separately. Uh, As a side note, our fall retreat, I think we're going to touch on some of this subject because we all have kind of realized over the last few years that substituting kind of being fully there with sort of being like weirdly there online through a screen mediated through words or through video, like this isn't the same. And we've kind of realized that. I think that's why you're, you're here. And uh, some of you are not here, but you should be here, right? And, and we've, we're, if you haven't realized it, it's, 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 it's not the same. And we need to be with one another. So sickness here refers to a brokenness of any kind that has come from the fall. And let's take a moment. If you're not a believer this morning, 
to understand, uh, you know, that, that the brokenness in the world, right? right uh, you know, we, we try to compartmentalize, you know, these things, but uh, we, when you see what's broken in the world, whether it be what we might call mental uh, problems or, 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 you know, we would say hard problems or physical things that are happening that are broken, um, as Christians, we would say, well, this is because God made the world good and somehow it got interrupted. It got broken. It got messed up. And, and we are to blame for that. And there's something wrong with that. But let's say you don't believe that this morning. My question to you would be, uh, why then do you get upset when bad things happen? If bad things have always happened in the world, if since the world, as far as we know, terrible, broken things have always happened, why does this upset us so? And I think if this morning that upsets you, if that bothers you, if you have a feeling this ought not be the case, we would say that that is an echo of Eden. That is your spirit agreeing with the words of scripture that says, this ought not be so. It was once not so. And I yearn, yearn uh, for a time and for a place where it is not so. And we, so the, we would argue that sickness and suffering, these were not always part of the world and that Jesus came to redeem that. Is any among you sick? Verse 14. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So we have elders in this church, and that's not because we prefer to have elders. That's just our preferred kind of method of configuration uh, of our church. It's because as best as we can read in Scripture, this is an office that's ordained by Scripture. And so the titles of elder, or we might say pastor, I can't get into exactly. These are used somewhat interchangeably. And so when one of our elders actually gets up to the end, uh, at the end of worship every week to do the benediction and to bless you, Right? That, he, he does that under the authority of the office that's given to him by the Lord. And he does that soberly. He'll have to answer to God in a very specific way about that. Um, and, and, and he'll be held accountable for that. And so what James is calling for here, if anyone's sick, if anyone's not well in their soul, in their spirit, in their body, if anyone's not doing well, call for the, for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him, anointing with the oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, now we'll, we'll get into this more, but this is clearly not a contradiction uh, of commands that people should pray for one another in general or praying for healing in general or the fact that some are gifted to heal in a specific way by God. This is not a contradiction about that, but it's simply to say, this just sort of makes sense to do if you're not doing well. If you're, if you're, if you're, not, uh, if you're experiencing difficulty, if your family's experiencing difficulty and, and, and you have something going on, it makes sense to call the elders of your church. Let us know. Let us pray for you. Let us lay hands on you and pray for you. And it says anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Look, we don't do that quite as frequently. I'll admit, I was like, oh yeah, I got to remember to bring oil today. I did not bring oil. I apologize. But if you do a deep dive into this, the oil is really ultimately a symbolic thing. Symbols are very, very important though. And so uh, we do have anointing oil at the 133. And so like, like, for example, this, this Friday, when we have this time of worship prayer, if you would like for someone to pray for you, and specifically for some of the elders of the church to pray for you and to anoint you with oil, we would like to do that because that's important. And now it's not that elders have magic powers. It's not even that the oil has some special property. It's the prayer 
if you see this common theme that's arising out of this passage, that's been arising out of this book. It's the seeking of God who heals. That's something we can do. And of course, asking the elders of the church to pray for you, it's just, again, it just makes sense. And so that's what James is doing. A, then B. A, then B. Are you not doing well? You should tell the leaders of your church you're not doing well. Ask your leaders. Ask those who have been tasked to care for you, to pray for you. Uh, the elders meet twice a month, and one of those meetings we simply pray. We pray for, especially for our covenant members, but for the church in general. And a quick aside on that, why covenant membership? Uh, well, because, you know, if, if you look at church history, you can actually see there was always a process by which someone would make a public statement to say, I am a part of this body now. And there's a mutual commitment to, event, uh, to enter into a community together uh, of a local church. And so for us, uh, membership and baptism, these are the ways that we kind of do that. And so in specific, the elders once a month at minimum uh, and, and, and throughout the month are praying for members because that's who we know the Lord has brought into our care by mutual agreement. And through examination, know that their faith is certain and that they trust us and we trust that what, is, what God is doing. And so if you haven't pursued membership, if there's something that has stopped you from doing that, maybe it's just a sense of like, why is that so important? I felt that way for sure. Uh, let me encourage you to kind of start, start taking steps in that journey. And there is a difference. There's plenty of times where I think in culture, it will say, you got to really feel like it's real to do something. And I will tell you that's, Utterly false. There's plenty of times where you can just do something because you're like, I think I ought to do this. I don't actually feel like it's that important, but I, I've been told it's important and I can just do it. I am totally in favor of doing that. I have made many mistakes in my life or made many good, done many good things simply out of pure obedience. And I would encourage you uh, to make that journey into membership. So that's an aside in this call for the elders of the church, but you know, that's necessary. Because the word is bringing forth this idea and what we're here to do today is to see what's in the word of God, right? So it's bringing forth this idea of the office of elder. We're gonna talk about that. And so um, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray for them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, and let me just take a moment here to say, again, if you're not doing well, there's sometimes this feeling you might have, uh, you feel bad obligating someone to pray for you, right? Maybe there's, there's, or maybe there's a feeling like, well, I need to be independent. I need to not burden anyone. Uh, or maybe it's, I only need people that really know me and know my issues to pray for me. And let me tell you this morning, that's not what you're called to do. If you're a believer and if you're committed to this body, one, I think you should be a member. But two, even if you're not, if you consider this your home church and you're not well, or your family is not well, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling good, if you're suffering spiritually, you should ask for prayer. You should ask your community group to pray for you. And if you're not in one, well, you should be in one. You should, in general, ask for prayers of healing. How many of you have simply compartmentalized it and said, when my body is not feeling well, this is simply a matter of the body. It has nothing to do with prayer. This is, I have my spiritual life and I have my physical life. I'm not going to ask for prayer. You should ask for people to lay hands on you and pray for you. And so let that happen. But let me also say, you might feel especially strange about asking elders to pray for you. For those of you who actually don't have a personal relationship with us at this point. But don't feel that way. And it's not that I'm telling you don't feel that way. It's that the Lord is telling you that. You can ask for prayers. 
We'd love to pray for you. And so even if that's something out of your comfort zone, uh, at any of these prayer meetings that are in person, especially coming up uh, at, at, at a worship and prayer night, after a gathering, you know, we'd love to pray for you. And when we have oil available, we'd love to anoint you with oil and pray for you. We would love to walk in obedience to this. There's a mystery found in following the word of God. There's a mystery that we access, something that God does, even if it's not fully explained. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Wait, what? This is getting a little weird. I thought this person was not feeling well physically. And now you're talking about sins being forgiven. What's going on? You see, again, we're running into our current day division that we create between the physical and spiritual things. Now, look, the scientific revolution, that was super important, right? A lot of what we have today is due to that. And a lot of you guys work in science. And so what do you have to do when you're doing scientific method? You have to pretend all of the things being equal, you know, X, Y, Z, and then see if you have observable results so that you can kind of differentiate between uh, uh, what is actually changing or not. But even if all things are not equal, right? You're just trying to control those things. That's why it's called the control, right? I'm barely remembering this. Um, but you see, that, and that assumption is required to do a really good endeavor. It's required to do science. And it's of great value to God, and it's of great value to us, because it's how we discover the depths of God's created order. But Christians, we have to do that, that small thing of science, in the big framework of a spiritual and physical world, a world that is created in a unity, that is a single thing. And you see, other cultures of the world, they might not have all their science straight, right? But they have this unity principle straight. And they often, in their faith, seek the Lord for healing, and they find that these things come together. They come together. Uh, one example I can think of uh, that I've mentioned in the past is uh, there's, there's a missionary named Jackie Pullinger who went to uh, uh, Kowloon City, which was this kind of lawless border town that was governed by no country, uh, uh, near China, and there's it's basically a, a town full of uh, opium addicts and crime and all kinds of things. And so Pullinger, this teenage girl, uh, kind of through the Lord's providence, found that actually the way the Lord was ministering was that, um, uh, you know, basically there were there's you know all these opium addicts who were wanting to be free from their addiction, and so. It was found that if they would accept the gift of salvation, if they would accept the Lord Jesus, if they would accept him as Lord and confess him, then they would lay hands and pray for that person. And the person would speak in tongues. And then they would be physically healed of all of their withdrawal symptoms from opium. They would experience no pain, uh, no suffering in that way. And that's the way the Lord, during that season of their ministry, kind of just did this miraculous thing, healing their body while healing their spirit. These things are linked together. And, and so we, in that example, even though, you know, we, we so we want to divide it, but you see these things are linked. Uh, how much more is that not true for us? See, the Bible makes room. The Bible's got plenty of categories. We're the ones that aren't robust enough. The Bible has room for mental illness. It talks about that. It talks about demonic oppression. It talks about people who have fallen ill in the New Testament because of their sin. Do you see, the, do you see the, the framework that's coming together that just feels kind of weird for us who live here in the West? 
Let's not assume we're wiser than the saints and listen to the words of scripture. Uh, the other way that C.S. Lewis might say it is that this is why if you're sick, you have a hard time praying. Uh, that's not because, uh, it, it, I mean, you, everyone kind of knows that, but you just kind of discard it, right? Uh, if your body, if you have a fever, you know, you have a hard time focusing. And we call it like, oh, well, there's mind and emotions and psychology, but uh, there's a unity here. We've been blinded by a culture. Our world says it must be separate, but it's not true, and they're intertwined. Uh, they're intertwined. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. So raising up, this word, the Lord will raise him up. This is kind of akin to other places in scripture where Jesus heals someone physically, right? Uh, they're, they're hurting physically and he raises them up. But then it says, if this person's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. And you see, the person being prayed for, the, James, the hypothetical person James is outlining, they're not someone who's not a Christian, who's now being forgiven for the first time in Christ. That's not what's happening. He's talking about in the church. So, so you, you pray for them and their sins are forgiven. These are coming together again. It's just kind of, it's strange to us, but it's not strange to the saints. Now, this is not to say if you're feeling physical, physically ill, that it's definitely the result of spiritual sin. So I, I want to be very clear about that. Sometimes people teach, oh, you've got sin in your life. That's why you feel sick. Jesus even himself sometimes says that's, that's not always the case. Uh, but it is possible that there is sometimes in, in our discernment a link between these two things. Um, there's a pretty famous example of this. Back in 2007, uh, there was... Um, there was this really famous worship song that came out, okay? And it was a really big deal. And this man who wrote it was a pastor. And he wrote the song, and, and it was about God being a healer, right? So if you, if you I mean, the song's literally titled, titled Healer. And it was, you know, this, this great song, very, very popular. It's critically acclaimed. It blew up in a lot of churches. And, and he said that this was about him believing God could heal him of cancer. And so he had, he would preach and sing the song with, a, you know, an oxygen tank on stage, and then he would say, I was healed from cancer. And there was this big celebration and he, would, he, he was making a career out of this. And then later he came out and admitted that this was not the case at all. He confessed actually that he had a deep recurrent pornography problem that had gotten so bad, his guilt over it was so bad that he'd begun to suffer physical symptoms of like not confessing his sin. And then what happened was, is that the symptoms got so bad that instead of people were like, you don't look well, what's wrong with you? Instead of confessing his sin, he decided instead to just say he had cancer. Now, I, I know, I know, the jump is crazy. So his song, he wrote in a genuine spirit, but he wrote it about his pornography problem. But he just told everyone that the song is about cancer instead. And I mean, I mean, many of us, we see that, we shake our heads, we say, how could you do that? And yet all sin begins from these seeds when we will not confess, when we won't come clean, when we don't ask for prayer in our sin and brokenness, both spiritual and physical, when we don't open ourselves up to the saints of God. And again, I'm saying spiritual and physical because we have to use both of these categories that exist in a unity. They're tied together. So what's the lesson? You have to ask for prayer and ask your leaders, especially your pastors, your elders, to pray for you. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look, let's, we don't want to get, there's a lot of dissection of these words. But the lesson here is that God is working when we pray for one another. And specifically, if you approach, if you ask for prayer, that's a good thing. And so he says, therefore confess. But see, now he adds that it's not just the elders he says confess. He says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So saying, yes, ask your elders for prayer, but do it for one another. So we regularly have time for sharing and prayer in our community groups, which we've talked about. And one of the functions of this time is a time for you to confess your sins to one another. This is one of those times in scripture where it says explicitly, you should do this. You see, in the Catholic tradition, they have something called confession, right? And if you don't know what that is, the priest sits in this booth and then you're kind of, maybe you've seen in a movie if you're not familiar. Um, you know, he, you, you, there's this booth and you sit in it. Uh, the priest is on one side and there's a wall with like a little window. And then you enter the little booth and you sit down. And it's specifically a time for you to just confess your sins. And so you would go and actually, I, I was by a church the other day and they said confession time. It was 30 minutes before kind of the mass started, the, serv- the main service started, right? And, and so they have this whole sacrament around it and their own theology. But for us, you're going to community group. And one of the functions that you need to do there is to confess. How many of you go into your relationships in the church with the desire to confess? It is really hard. It's vulnerable. I mean, it's hard to go to elders that you may or may not know that well and confess and hard to go to peers, but we're called to do it Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So he's just saying, pray, pray and ask. It's okay to receive here. You should pray for yourself. Yes, if you're suffering, you should pray for yourself. Yes, if you're suffering, you should pray. Yes, you should sing praise if God's giving you joy. But if you're sick, if you're in need, if you're physically broken, if you have spiritual brokenness in your life, you should ask for help. How many times has it broken our hearts on our staff, in our leadership, in our church, in elder meetings, and the anguish we've had to suffer because we found out someone was just kind of on the brink of deep spiritual decline or sickness, and they didn't ask for help? And they didn't go to the community group and say, hey, I need help. I'm struggling. I'm having a difficult time with something. There's power when we pray and when we seek and when we act. And we ask and we knock on behalf of one another when we intercede. And that's kind of what this whole month is about. This month of prayer. And that's what this passage is about. Verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. As it is working. So as an illustration here, James draws on Elijah, who is a prophet from the Old Testament. And, you know, it's some of the details he's kind of drawing maybe from the tradition around Elijah. But verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. He had a nature like ours. So Elijah simply asked God. Now he asked God with right intention and right motives, as James would say earlier, right, in the book. But he asked God and the Lord moved powerfully. So when you seek God, when you seek God, 
When you seek God in the mid, with the mind of Christ and through the access given by Jesus, the Lord moves. And so he says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and brings someone back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. So what's the link here between this, this part and, and the rest of what we've been talking about? The link is this. He's kind of talked a lot about, hey, you should do this. If you're joyful, you should do this. If you're suffering, you should pray. But now he's talking kind of what they as a group need to do. He's saying, make sure you go to one another. Make sure you pray for one another, right? That's what this whole kind of, actually this whole passage today is about, as opposed to a lot of, a lot of the uh, earlier parts. Make sure you go to one another. Make sure you pray for one another. Make sure you go in your weakness and confess to one another. Make sure you come in your weakness to the leaders who God has assigned here to care for you and ask them for prayers. Go to one another. Don't walk alone. Go to one another and ask for prayers. I got to say that a lot of times going to someone for prayer doesn't even feel good in the moment. There have been a lot of times where I feel so awful and then I explain it to someone and I feel worse explaining it to them because I know they don't actually understand how I feel and they say prayers for me. But I got to say, after all that time, this time and all these years of asking people who I feel don't know me that well, don't get me that well, don't understand me that well to pray for me, it is, it has been a sustaining force in my life. It has been just such an important thing that God has moved through. It feels unextraordinary. It feels forced, and yet it's incredibly sustaining. When we're with one another, God moves through our prayers. When we're with one another, God moves through our prayers. And so 19 and 20, he's just saying what the next things are. Look, he's saying, you confess yes with one another. Now go out there, verse 19 and 20, and be with someone who needs to, conf to confess. Go and remember those who have left your midst. How many times have you been part, if, if you've been a Christian a little while, have you been a part of a Christian community where someone leaves and nobody cares? How many times does someone leave and there's not much done? How many times are we unwilling to do the uncomfortable work of going and saying, hey, what happened? What's going on? Are you all right? It's heartbreaking work. It's difficult. And it's hard. We've, we've uh, you know, even our church, we've had a lot of people leave in the last two years. Uh, many of them with little explanation. Maybe, maybe they felt bad. Maybe they didn't want to get into it. Maybe it was just too hard. Maybe we played a part in it. But what James is saying here is what we do. We don't give up seeking one another. So we see those who are in this room, yes, James says, we need the encouragement to confess with one another, be with one another, but we also don't forget who's left the room, who's no longer with us. Don't forget those who have wandered away and need to be brought back. We talk a lot about mission, we talk about a lot of things, but this is a part of, this is one of the things that the elders have spent hours and hours and hours trying to do, and we're encouraging others to do. There's some of you that have been a process uh, been in this kind of process with us and alongside us, trying to bring back people who are uh, straying away, 
who are struggling with their faith, trying to encourage them, asking them, hey, is there anything maybe you need to confess in the midst of all this, in the midst of your sin and doubt? And it's not always happened. And yet in that labor, we've also found reward, uh, a, a reward. And James here is reminding us of that. And he's reminding us of the consequence if we don't do that. If someone disowns the Lord, they're in danger. They're in the same danger as someone who never knew the Lord. And he's simply saying in the church, don't forget to bring someone back because you will save them from the final death. You'll save them from the consequence of their sin. You'll save them from the destruction that they are wreaking upon their own soul. So when we're with one another, God moves through our prayers. So are any of you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing praise. Is any of us not doing well? Call the elders of the church. Ask for prayer. Pray for one another. Confess to one another that we might see the healing of God. And we can all come as righteous people when we come in the name of Jesus. When we're with one another, God moves through our prayers. Let's take a moment and bow our heads. And maybe uh, you have never, maybe you kind of wonder at this idea of a righteous person, a righteous person's prayers having power. And you might think this morning, well, my prayers must not have any great power. And you see, friends, you got to think of this righteousness in terms of the entire word of God. And what we do know, what we do know is that our righteousness comes by accept, accepting the gift of forgiveness in Christ. When you accept Christ's forgiveness and death on your behalf, you have his righteousness. And that means you can come in prayer. You can have sinned. In fact, you probably are in sin this very moment. And yet the incredible miracle of what Jesus has done is that he's died on your behalf so you might have the righteousness of God. And you have the standing with God that God, and so that God will listen the same way he did for Elijah. God himself was not standing on his own righteousness. But as it says in Hebrews, by faith, the saints did what they did. And in some mysterious way, even Elijah himself was not relying on his own righteousness, but that which would come through Jesus. You can today come. You can come and accept the gift. If you've never done that, you can accept that gift. If you're a believer, you can re-embrace this gift. Maybe you have been reluctant to pray, to ask for relief, to ask for help. Maybe you feel like you got to put it together before you can pray again but you can come now. You can ask him for help in your suffering. You can ask for healing for others. You're not disqualified to pray for someone. You're not disqualified to minister to someone today. You're not disqualified to pray as a righteous person because you have the righteousness of Christ. For those of us trapped in sin or blind to it, what do you need to confess so that it doesn't drive you to a worse place? Do you have people calling out your sin to help you see your sin so that you might confess it? Are we people that confess? Is your community group one that confesses? If you're a community group leader, let me urge you, make time for confession. Who's wandered from this room? 
Who do we need to make touch with, make time for? Not one time, but on the regular. Who do we need to pray for together and call them back to fellowship? Let's not tire of that work, church. Let's trust what God is up to. Let's not tire of that work. When we're with one another, God moves through our prayers. If you need prayer, there'll be someone uh, on, on, on the right of me uh, near the window that can come pray with you. Come pray with somebody. It's not for people that are new. It's not for people who have it together. It's for everyone. God, we just pray this morning. We, we are people who are we, we often get lost in, in, in kind of our own world and our own worldviews and we separate things and in doing so we miss out on the life that you want us to have. Not life that comes with more and more isolation and more and more independence and more and more kind of self-actualization. It is the life that comes when we come and we confess. It's the life that comes and we, uh, when, when, we, when we admit we are broken. It's the life that comes when we say, I have sin in my life. I have a physical brokenness in my life. Will you come pray for me? Will you come and be with me? It's life that comes when we, we, we trust that it's not our own trust of someone, but that you have put someone in our lives over us in leadership to trust them and say, I don't even know you that well, but I believe God is calling me to confess. Lord, we want the life that comes when we do the hard work of seeking after those who are lost and who have strayed away. We thank you that your death and resurrection and life mean that we can come as fully righteous people, that the prayers offered are always heard you are always moving. Be with us as we respond. Be with us as we pray. We're going to spend the next song. If you need to pray during the song, just do that. You don't have to. You don't have to sing. As we take communion, this time, this is a time of communing with Christ together. If you're a believer this morning, you remember the sacrifice of Christ for you and that it grants you this righteousness to come boldly. And so if you're a believer this morning, you can come and you can take the elements out in the hall and come back in. We can't have food or drinker in here. But if you're not, you can just stay and sing and pray or else you can walk with everyone through the hallway um, and just come right back in. Also, if you're in a cycle of unrepentant sin, if you are in a place where you kind of know, I'm refusing to confess. I'm refusing to ask for help in all this. If you refuse to start the journey of untangling sin that you're trapped in, I'd ask you to refrain and take a moment and consider what you're doing. Taking means I need Christ to heal me from my sin and I need the help of his body to help me in my sin. And so take as an expression of that. Let's stand up together. Let's respond to the Lord together. Um, 
Maybe there's someone you need to pray with today. Maybe there's someone in mind that you feel like you need to confess to today. Please do that. Um, we wanna give you a lot of freedom during this next two songs and after worship. I'll be available after worship to pray with you if you'd like to pray with me. Um, so let's respond together.